Good evening and welcome Shot Callers family to a dual podcast episode, but with a little bit of a twist, it's me, your boy Rich, here with your man Andre. Say what's up to the people, Andre. What's up, people? Recording here on a late Thursday night after basically we are halfway through the bubble slash campus slash seating games, and we're really excited to give you guys our roundup of news, our observations from what we've seen that really caught our eye from these first seating games. And then later on in the episode, Andre's going to take off, go to sleep, and we're going to jump in with JV to get his rendition of his takes and all that stuff. So really exciting. As you, If you're watching this on YouTube, you might be seeing our faces for the first time in a while. Definitely uh, definitely uh, happy to be on camera again, giving you guys the content that you guys want. And let's go ahead and jump right into it, but not before we talk about our social media. So if you can, please like and subscribe to our content on youtube please follow us on twitter at shot show follow us on instagram at the underscore shot callers uh please uh, if you want to send us any kind of feedback any listener mail any listener questions send those into shot show at gmail.com and please be as organic as possible if you really enjoy our content you want to share it with us or share us with the world please just tell someone that you know that likes the nba hey check out this nba podcast from these guys that I've gotten to know pretty well uh, and we can get the, the word out to more people. We would really, really appreciate it and especially appreciate any sort of reviews that you can leave for us on iTunes. Five-star ratings are, of course, uh, appreciated. Any kind of feedback you can leave in there is immediately constructive and helpful. So yeah, five-star only. Don't Nothing else. Just five. <laughs> so without any uh, further ado, let's go ahead and hit the news. I think uh, Andre's got this week's news roundup. Okay, yeah, not too much happened uh, this week just because, you know, we're in the bubble thing. Games are flowing, so there hasn't been a, too much of a break. But um, outside of that, we've got the NBA Board of Governors announced that they're going to be donating $300 million over 30 years. Um, their first donation is going to greater economic empowerment in the black community. Um, we're still waiting to hear more about that, but I think it's good to see that the NBA is, you know, taking a page out of Michael Jordan's book and kind of putting their money where their mouth is in terms of, you know, trying to make the right statement and all this. So I think it's cool to see that, you know, they're actually putting some money there. So people can't just be like, oh, it's NBA. It's all lip service. It's all right? fake. Yeah, right. It's one yeah. thing to uh, change the profile picture that is on your NBA or on your uh, Twitter, you know, business page to reflect like the month of pride or you know, uh, having your thoughts with a certain country during an economic crisis or what have you, changing your Instagram page to to black. But it's another thing to actually uh, set out a plan and put some fiscal responsibility towards, you know, uh, creating change in action. And so as we did with the Michael Jordan news and his, you know, contributions over the next 10 years, we'll be detailing where those funds are going as we learn it. So uh, Shams Charani is the one that passes news along to us. We're passing it along to you. And we'll continue to do so in the coming months. Yeah. Uh, so what, what you got next on the dock, Andre? A lot of it is uh, inter-bubble news. You said that we're not getting a lot of stuff from outside the bubble. One little side thing. Uh, I think I might have mentioned in a previous episode. The eight teams that weren't uh, in the bubble, the Delete Eight, as some who were calling them, the ones that we're kind of forgetting about, there was some chatter about getting like a side bubble or a Chicago bubble yeah, going, bubble too, yeah. so they could kind of get their, you know, get their feet wet or you know, get a 
get some exercise in, get some good runs in. Yeah, everyone chomping at the bit. But that actually has grinded completely to a halt. Like, I guess too many resources have been going into making sure that this bubble is going as smoothly as possible with their, you know, constant testing and having to evaluate and reevaluate procedures for what might happen when a player maybe catches an inconclusive test or a positive test. So I think since it's all hands on deck in the bubble, there's nowhere else to look. So let's look inward and see what kind of news we got. So what's up, Andre? Uh, I mean, that's really all I've got, unless you, you saw something that was out there in the news. Um, it's mostly, yeah, just been things like that. You know, there were some interviews with players talking about um, voting being important and things like that, but I think that's just the general consensus of everything that's going on the in the bubble and everyone's the same page in their messaging. So uh, on that note, I don't know, should I just go ahead and hop into the injury report? Yeah, I think, I think that's where we're going next. Yeah, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, so I guess the biggest news here in terms of that is, I guess the one that everyone heard about is Jonathan Isaac, who tore his ACL, um, kind of so, ironically. It's so sad to see, man. Uh, yeah, especially this is he played two real games, and then you tear your ACL right when you're like at the peak of your performance, like you're playing as well as you ever had and well his defense know. was looking so sharp man he was able to cover so many different positions on the floor stopping guards from penetrating especially in that brooklyn nets game that first one uh stopping guards from penetrating and he was even coming in on a minutes restriction at the end of a blowout loss whenever he got that injury but uh looking strong getting blocks like i kind of alluded to or preluded uh during the predictions or the previews and just the look on his face non-contact injury you might not want to see it if you if you're easily queasy or don't like looking at you know injuries. It wasn't gruesome by any means. It wasn't any Gordon Hayward, but still just something that you you had a really bad feeling when you saw that there was nobody really around him. Yeah, those are the worst, man. When there, when there's no contact, you just just gotta pray for the best. So hopefully, he's a man of strong will. He's a hard worker. Um, so I'm sure he'll come back soon. Well, I I'm mean, sure everyone in Orlando is hoping for that. It is yeah. the same knee he had the injury earlier on, but and you might uh you might consider the Orlando Magic's previous track record of really taking it easy with different players. Mo Bamba, uh, Markel Fultz, as we heard in our preview earlier in the few episodes back, I think he's easily going to be out the entire year next year. So we'll be seeing him uh, whenever the next unabbreviated season is because this next season after the end of the conclusion of this one will likely be strange maybe 60 games maybe 50 games depending on how much time we have left in the in the calendar year before they can reset to hopefully a regular year so i'm thinking we'll be seeing this guy late 2021 2022 really uh for his next season so yeah man take your time get your body right get your mind right and game will always be there for you man you're still young so, yeah, uh, he was the big one. Another unfortunate tear and another young player. This is Jaron Jackson Jr. from uh, the Memphis Grizzlies, who were on a pretty good tear early on um, to start their regular season games in the bubble. And uh, you hate to see a player like this go out, right? Um, they're right there competing. They're, they were in the eighth seed, but now it's Portland. Portland's like one game away from just taking claim on that since they beat Denver today. So, well, they were competing, but they weren't getting the lot the wins in the in the W column or the W's in the yeah in the yeah. the wins in the victory column. <laughs> it's later. Yeah. They, they, were the they were getting they were losing. They were they were competing yeah. hard, but with the trades that they made with not being able to play just as Winslow, 
it was really apparent that uh, once um, Triple J went out, just how much of it fell on John Moran's shoulders to really shoulder the load and get the offense going. He looked like mm-hmm. James Harden without being ready or primed or physically able to carry the offense uh, possession after possession after possession. And you can really see it in his eyes, like, you know, a little tired. So when yeah. you lose that inside-outside threat, John Morant, vocal leader, if you listen in on on uh, some of the games that he played, if you can go back and watch him if you have League Pass, uh, you know, the microphones and the crowd being more or less empty um, really let you hear the different directions and the, you know, the defensive assignments he'd be calling out, uh, empowering his guys on the sideline. So he'll still be a vocal, you know, voice on the sideline, but won't be on the court uh, anytime soon yeah. either, so. Sucks, man. So important to their offense and spacing and opening things up for Ja. But, I mean, prayer's up. That's another young guy. So, hopefully, you know, Memphis, they still got a good future going. So, take your time. Get right. Keep going. Another young guy. Uh, This (laughs) one actually happened yesterday. Another non-contact injury. Ben Simmons. uh, The report came out today. Yeah, MRI was clean, but – Confirmed he has a partially dislocated uh, kneecap. So, how does that happen? Does that mean it's fractured? It was, non, it was non-contact. I'm not, I'm not a doctor, but partial yeah. dislocation. Maybe it just didn't move out all the way. It's not. Yeah. yeah. So I've been reading a lot about people and athletes who've had that kind of injury. Their experience in the past. They say it hurts a lot at first, but then, like the recovery is not too bad. They usually say about four, three to four to six weeks. Um, the thing is when it happens once, it's more likely to occur again in the future. So it's one of those things, man, Ben Simmons is prided for, you know, his ability to move laterally for a guy, his size. So hopefully an injury like this doesn't really set him back. Um, even that aside, the more immediate concern is the playoff matchup for Philadelphia, right? They're probably going to end up playing what Boston. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's looking more like more and more likely that the Pacers and the Heat are going to match up the way those teams are playing. Yeah. So yeah, it could definitely be Boston. Yeah, so they're really going to need his defensive presence in that matchup. So it's it's a tough loss for Philadelphia, tough loss for Ben. Um, hopefully, he can get past this, man. That's that's a weird one because that's not one you see too common. Yeah, even I can't though think this is those yeah, words together. <laughs> not in the NBA. Yeah. Yeah, and um, like he's got tough Australian genes, man. I feel like he'll be back. Uh, you know sooner than you think i think he definitely has the drive to compete and get out there and win so as much as you like watching the sixers i like watching them equally as much and i really want to see him full strength and uh, if they're gonna play boston they're gonna need his lateral quickness and length to deal with all the different guys with length and speed on that uh boston celtics team if that's the matchup that they're gonna see and if they don't see it in the in that round if they hope to advance they're probably gonna see it in the next round so yeah just like is the further they advance the more important it is that he comes back so there's Man, I I just don't know what to think if I'm a Philly fan right now. Um, they're my team in the East. Everyone knows that, but you hate to see it, man. We had some some good games going on, but man, hate to see these injuries. Um, yeah. So the last the last guy I have on the injury report was LeBron. He sat today's game against the Rockets uh, with a groin injury, same injury that put him out what 25 games last season. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that one kind of seems like a don't really feel like playing. Not up to it. Not that he isn't hurt or lying but it's it's an easy one that's like you don't really it's not something that you can see evidence of you know if he goes doesn't decides to play tomorrow he can say oh my groin was hurting so no big deal so i think he's just kind of maintaining self-maintaining is is what i think it's my hypothesis 
I mean, I don't know. I'm a devil's advocate. Back on like, that one? Yeah, maybe because he has been looking a little bit sluggish, a little bit slow since the, you know, coming to the bubble, since the season restarted. Um, part of that could be attributed to, you know, trying to get in the flow of the game again. Um, but, oh, man, dude is 35. You could have fooled me. Inter- you could have yeah, fooled man. me. He had gray hair in his beard, and now it's all dark. So yeah. I thought he went back in time. Hey, man, maybe he's going to take a sip of the Fountain of Youth real quick and then coming <laughs> back. We'll see. But, uh, yeah, that, that does it for the injury report. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I missed one other one. A uh, fan fan favorite, Jamal Crawford, real OG Hooper. First game back, man. Right after they beat the, the Clippers, New Jersey right? New Jersey Nets. Or not New Jersey, I'm sorry. Uh, Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> Brooklyn Nets, yeah, first game back, has a hamstring injury. Brooklyn manages to uh, take the dub anyway against the Milwaukee Bucks, but it's just something you don't really like to see, man. Uh, A guy who's been, you know, really trying to get back into the league, finally got an opportunity to play on a playoff team, Um, and then he he goes down in a hamstring injury. Uh, Yeah, and that's something that is hard to, you know, predict or to really keep a handle on. It's uh, unpredictable. like. If you've ever had your hamstring just feel tightness at the at the worst times, like all you can do is massage it and hope it doesn't happen the next game. So I think right. he'll be back sooner than later. Uh, Brooklyn yeah, hopefully. has been playing pretty hard with their lack of firepower is definitely apparent. Joe Harris can only do so much. Uh, so uh, it'll be it'll be fun to see. I always love watching Jamal Crawford play back to when he uh, dropped all those points against the Mavericks at the end of yeah, uh, Dirk's always. Lesson. Oh, Pretty much always. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah Jamal Carver's gonna be around forever, man. He'll be fifty-five, and then somebody's gonna be like, "Hey, we got a ten-day," and he'll be like, "All right, I'm out. I'm, I'm out there. Yeah, let me in there." He'll leave his game at the at LA Fitness and just head up to the you know the Pistons to see if he can get some get some runs in. Yeah, that's just a dude who loves hooping, man. But uh, yeah, prayers up to all the injured guys. That should do it for that, though. Um, yeah, so that's which... the end of our news roundup. We kind of caught you guys up on the biggest. Uh, predicaments that have faced different teams, different players at this point of the circle. I do want to share a little bit of positive news overall. We are still in this pandemic uh, all over the United States, you know, most of the world and especially in Florida. Oh shit. I'm not wearing my mask. (laughs) Yeah. Well, he's in, luckily we're both indoors isolated still. Uh, But uh, Shams Charania, our boy uh, reported once again, that since they announced their last results on July 29th, no players have tested positive. So, uh, we're going to keep on rolling strong even after some, you know, potential lapses in judgment by players like Lou Williams or Bruno Caboclo. Uh, the bubble is still airtight. I guess the time of the year or the time of the season that I'm going to be most interested in is after the first round when the losers leave and then the families return. I wonder if uh, there will be a more difficulty keeping the clams down on the whole thing or if they kind of reverse course and say you know we're going to delay that one more round we got a good thing going and we don't want to jeopardize it as we're going to the top top games uh, especially since they're going to be the most entertaining uh speaking of entertaining games i kind of want to take this kind of in more freestyle route andre what has been the most entertaining thing about these games for you about these seating games oh man entertaining i guess for me it's I wouldn't say it's entertaining. Well, yeah, it, 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 it's it's been I will say it's entertaining, but there's been a lot of surprises for me in terms okay. of like the teams that have been performing. So, surprises are entertaining. I yeah, think. so like I'm entertained by them <laughs> like Indiana. All right. Sabonis goes down and then you have your doubts whether or not 
Oladipo is going to play. But then, like, TJ Warren emerges and just, like, goes nuclear. Like, can't miss pretty much. He had, like, 87 Torch, points in the first yeah, two games. Torch the Sixers. Torch the Clippers. And then he gets uh, brought to reality against the Suns. But I thought he had 30 points in the third game. And then the fourth game, he got brought to reality against the Suns. Was it? Yeah. They Who did they play in the third? Almost, almost, they play almost everyone's played four games, my man. Oh, yeah. Well, they... well, who else did they play? They played the Sixers first. And I was like, TJ Warren? TJ Warren? Yeah, Warren had 32 points against the Magic. Okay. Yeah, that is that was a game. I, I, I saw that game, too. Yeah. Nah, dude was blazing for three games straight. Um, that was a huge surprise for me. That that caught me off guard. Um, so there's that. And then you got the Phoenix Suns, who are the only undefeated team left in the bubble. Oh, my God, one, dude. One of the lowest seeds yeah, which coming out the West. Yeah, they're, they're streaking. They're scorching into the possible ninth seed. They're only two games out at this point. I think it's going to be a fight between them and uh, them in Portland to see what's happening with the way things are going in Memphis, unfortunately. but And the way um, things are kind of going in New Orleans, too. Looking yeah, kind of they're, like... they're not – I don't think it's going to work. They're looking like the Wizards of the West right now. Uh, <laughs> the Wizards of the West? Yeah, they got the offense. None of the de- – I'm talking about New Orleans. Yeah. Yeah, they got the offense but no defense at all. So, yeah. Uh, I don't know what's happening with them, and they got to they got to figure it out somehow. But yeah, no, Suns were a huge surprise, man. The game winner, Devin Booker hit Dude, over Paul was, George and Kawhi I, right there. I was well. sitting, I was sitting in this chair, in chat with JV on that TV, looking at it to my left, and I just started screaming. Like I was literally screaming. I was like, "Oh my god!" And JV had it on a different channel. I forgot which game he was on, or maybe he was catching the end of like the uh, the Dallas Mavericks game that I was on the same day. And I was just like, holy shit. And my roommate came in the room and he's like, what's going on? And I said, he just hit the damn turnaround, step back, you know, uh, fade away. Fade away. Over the slid two, on the ground. Two best wing defenders that you could think in the of. Le- I know, yeah, right? Exactly. I think yeah. I was at the dog park when he hit that. No, and I no was foul. like, yeah, I stood up. Yes. And people were like, what is he? Was he watching? I was like, Whoa. oh, shit. Like, oh, dude. Yeah, it was crazy. crazy. And, and he pulled a Derrick Rose just like stone faced. Laying yep. on the ground, his teammates all come and basically attack him. Right. And, uh, they all, you know, rushed him with some water when he when he made it off the court. They all tore, poured his water bottles on him. I thought that was pretty great, and it was pretty cool to see him finally get bits of his due since eyes are all finally on him. And you know, people that have watched the Suns, you know, more than five times a year in the past three years, you'll have a lot of guys that go to bat for Devin Booker saying that he's really up to his assist. He tries on defense. Maybe he's not as athletic as somebody like Donovan Mitchell, but he knows where to be. Uh, he isn't a negative, like I said, and obviously he can light up the stat sheet from scoring from three off the dribble, has all these skills. But for everyone that has watched five or more games per season of the Suns, there's 95% of the rest of the people that have not, and they just want to make fun of him because he's on the Suns, saying right. he's not clutch, he's not this, he's not that. And so you finally saw some videos circulating of the different game winners he's hit in clutch situations to win the game, to tie the game, you know, with dead-eye accuracy and not afraid of the moment. And there was just this was just one more example of that, even though it was kind of an explanation say, an exclamation point saying, I'm here. And it was fun to see, and it'll be exciting to see if they can put this together and hopefully play some, play some meaningful games, uh, you know, at the end of this bubble run, and maybe it'll give us some momentum. But however, the last time the Phoenix Suns made the playoffs and had some momentum, 
it's not always as lean, linear of a path as you might think. It can definitely go south, but hopefully it goes north, you know? I mean, hey, just seeing them make it was exceed expectations, right? They started the season off with a suspension from their second their second go-to player, right? Mm-hmm. Their number two option, right? So well, to dude, see them coalesce the way they are, you know, um, really, you know, getting into the groove. I'm, they got a real team, man. And I think – I don't think it's a fluke either, man. I think it's – just they never had time to real really coalesce and develop. And Ricky Rubio has been very important on this team in terms of, you know, defensive coordination, playmaking, things like that. He's allowing Devin Booker to get where he needs to be, where he doesn't have to create everything. So when he gets the ball, it's always in an ideal situation for him. And then you got eight and two in the post and creating spacing. Oh, my God. It's I think they're a real team. No, you're and right. This is without yeah. Obrey. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So without Ubre, and then you know, um, they have a yeah, they have good defenders on the team, man. It's like I told you last time during the Suns preview. Uh, DeAndre Aiden has a small defensive highlight mixtape now. Uh, Ricky yeah. Rubio, he's smart. He knows where to be on defense. He knows how to you know watch ball and man. Uh, they got they got they got guys that can play a full scheme, and I think that going into next year, the Suns can count themselves among you know twelve contenders, twelve yeah. teams that can say I want to make the first round and not be a pushover for, you know, the second seed or the, or the first seed. So, uh, yeah, uh, I'm excited to see, uh, what else? Oh, so on my, I asked you the question, what made you most excited? You mentioned a couple of things. The thing on the other side of the conference that made me excited was man, just watching the heat, not, not Jimmy Butler who had a small injury and kept him out of the third game of the, of the seeding games, but bam out of bio, man. Like he's always been tall. He's always been, you know, able to get anywhere he wants to on the court as far on as far as on defense, smart, able to cover space, cover bigs, cover, you know, some smaller defenders. I feel like there's only like three people in the league that he cannot defend, but he looks so swole. It's crazy. He looks like a like a little Dwight, right? Yeah, kind yeah. Of reminds me of yeah. Dwight. So muscular, his shoulders are so big. <laughs> and like and he has some range. Jimmy Butler's challenged him to shoot at least one three pointer per game earlier in the year and just the amount of ground that he can cover he has post moves uh he has a drop step he's able to facilitate the offense when they feed him the ball at the high post able to have cutters run around him doing sort of of a facsimile of what Nikola Jokic can do uh not to insult Nikola Jokic's you know phenomenal passing ability but that doesn't mean that uh Bam can't make some passes kind of like that All and right. he, he makes people around him better man dare uh Duncan, sorry, Duncan Robinson, Duncan, uh, Goran Dragic, like those guys know how to contribute. They know how to be the recipient of passes on catch and shoot. Uh, Derek Jones knows how to cut to the rim, and of course, sky up to the to dunk it on alley oops or uh, general, you know, uh, cuts and dives to the rim. So, yeah, they have a lot of ways to to be productive. Jimmy Butler is able to create his own shot, facilitate his own two pointer, and you know, rise above. Maybe not quite as efficient as guys like you know, Kevin Durant and those A1 top-grade superstars. But definitely a formidable team, and I don't think anybody wants to play them in the first round or second round, to be honest. Yeah, they're going to be hard at, hard out for any team who matches up with them. Um, they got shooters. They're all bought in. They got a strong system, good defensive presence. Yeah, man, it's, they're just young. That's the only thing. <laughs> any uh, Any disappointments coming out of the bubble from anybody that you've seen so far, Andre? Uh, disappointments would be the biggest for me would be New Orleans. Um, I was a little higher on them going into the bubble just because 
I mean, towards the end of the season, they were really looking good, right? Uh, mm-hmm. I'm remembering the overtime game with Dallas where, like, it, it went all out. Everyone was – the ball was moving well. Um, Zion was, was bouncy quick, better on defense. Um, you know, Lonzo – well, when Zion well. came back to join the lineup, uh, I think it was February of this past year or of this year, and like the the Pelicans really went on a tear defensively, man, getting yeah. good defensive boards, pushing the pace in transition, and kind of making less mistakes with the ball, fouling a little bit less, and it felt like they kind of turned the corner and were going to coalesce, uh, to take your word, and I don't know if it was a layoff that kind of made things turn more like a daisical, kind of robbed the focus of the team or the you know co- uh, the cohesion. But they're just committing too many fouls, too many turnovers, losing guys. Um, like uh, De'Aaron Fox was dribbling in their Kings game up half court, dribbling as fast as I would dribble. Not very fast. We all know how fast De'Aaron Fox is. But Zion Williamson, JJ Redick, everyone kind of just sort of looked and didn't. Uh, they weren't saying somebody needs to cover this guy. They all just didn't point it out. And by the time it was time to cover him, as he got towards the three point line, two guys scrambled to him. All he did was one pass away, pass over to Harrison Barnes, and. They made a three. It put, them, three yeah. it put them immediately in rotation when they didn't have to be that way. So, so many examples of something like that uh, don't bode well unless they could turn it around. They play the Wizards coming up in their next game. I believe it's uh, Friday. Uh, Old-fashioned shootout, man. Uh, well, yeah, they're, they're, it's going to be an offensive shootout, and I think it's going to be turning sad for the Wizards of the East. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't, that doesn't mean that I think that the Pelicans are going to turn it around. They did leave their uh, vaunted defensive coach Jeff Bizdelic, uh at home. You know he stayed out of the bubble environment due to health concerns. He's been, you know, video uh, conferencing in to kind of give them matchup advice and give them, you know, more fine details to pay attention to. But whenever uh, somebody like that in any spot in an organization leaves, it's kind of a next man up mentality. And I'm not sure if uh, the same message is being instilled as thoroughly, or if the players are just ex- not executing as well as they would if he was there. So you're right. I'm disappointed by that too. Yeah, I think it's more like the team. It's a young team too. I mean, JJ's a veteran, but he can only do so much, right? He's—I wouldn't say he's a leader. He just more of a, a guy who can provide advice and stuff. So, yeah, definitely disappointed with them. Um, I—I I would imagine that that's really my only big upset, man. This 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 has been so good. Aside from that and injuries, like the, this bubble has been great, man. All the games have been good. It's great to have basketball on during the day. I'm working from home and I could just put a game on and work. It's pretty great. Yeah. I, I took some vacation time over the past few days and I literally just woke up. I got a new, new TV in my room just for this. And I said, wake up ball. And then it doesn't turn off until like midnight. Like it's just straight basketball the whole time. Great, you, man. The nights with no overlap. Oh man. It's it's awesome. It is great. What what do you think about those Mavericks close losses to start off the uh... Oh yeah, man. <laughs> hey man. It's part of being a Mavs fan. I'm used to it, dog. Past past two, three years. We love throwing at first I thought it was, oh, you know, we're trying to get a good draft pick. Nah, man. It's just built into that's the just, DNA. That's just Mavs basketball, baby. Like, oh, uh, man, I think it just. So we got we started off hot and our expectations probably got a little higher than what they should have been just because of how good we were doing early to start the season. But to be honest, this we're still kind of overachieving like this is probably where 
they should have been realistically. So this is a young team and it's weird to kind of expect them to do super well against these championship contender team. I mean, even, yeah, you can say Phoenix, they're not championship considered or capable team, but they're really good. They're playing really good basketball. We can't knock them for like us, like losing to them. Rockets. Now that is a 100% a choke. Rockets is a choke, but the Phoenix game, I'm fine with that. It's a choke, but it's also, you know, a rise of the occasion by the Rockets. Uh, that yeah. Robert Covington, you know, free throw rebound Re- after that Harden missed free throw. I was I in my car, saw that. I saw him get that rebound. I was like, I turned it off. I knew it was over. Andre, like, you'd be watching games everywhere. <laughs> everywhere but on the couch. You'd be at the dog park. You'd be in the car. You'd be at work. <laughs> That's man. funny, man. The world um, don't stop. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, man. And so the Mavericks are, th- are one and three, uh, beating the Kings. They took overtime and an outrageous stat line. So, what about people that would be encouraged by stat lines? Kristaps Porzingis averaging 30 a game. Luka Doncic in that overtime game had 30, 20, and 10, 20 rebounds. Like, that definitely sounds amazing. Does that he have something? He had 12 assists. Yeah, yeah. 12 assists. Sorry. Yeah. What does that say about the rest of the members of the team? Does not being, uh, you know, ready to shoot or not able to play at? anything for themselves? <laughs> Where are they at? Andre West says it's as simple as that. They're not. I mean, no yeah, it's. I mean, we don't. We don't really have a championship roster. I'm gonna be honest, man. We got maybe three players who are actually starting capable, but I mean, we we got a good coach. Luca and Porzingis are just that good. Um. I mean, it is what it is, man. These are growing pains. We got to learn how to win. You got to really understand what your weaknesses are before you know how to handle them. Um, Failure is just another step on the pathway to success as long as you learn from it. So I'm just happy to be in playoff contention because they're about where I predicted. I think I had them seven or eight at the start of the season. So, I mean, they're they're doing it, even though we've lost a lot of close games. If we won, I saw a statistic uh, yesterday that said if we won all the close games that were in contention, we would be in the one seed or the two seed just, just behind the Lakers. So it's, I mean, it's one of those things, man. So if we would have won uh, a bunch of games, we'd be higher in the standings. I mean, the the clutch ones. Yeah. But I, I mean, being clutch, something you got to learn. Right. Um, even though Mello will argue that you're born with something it. you're born hey, with. Man, it, right? <laughs> skinny Mello. We're not, we haven't talked about Portland yeah. on this episode yet. I was kind of going to let our man JV come in and because we know yeah. he's going to have Portland on the brain. Hey, uh, I like but, Portland, man. They've been doing some good stuff. Me too. It looks great. Uh, and so we'll get to that, I guess, in the second half of this episode. Um, just a one final note on the Mavericks. Like The Mavericks are locked into their team for a few years now. Max Kleber, Dwight Powell, Jalen Brunson. Those guys all have multiple years on the contract. So Trey without... Burke. Trey, uh, Trey Burke, although, you know. He uh, needs a uh, Egan sign because he is looking like the third best player on our yeah, team. Yeah, uh, but I would say it it might be anomalous in the bubble. Just like TJ Warren might not score 50 when the word justice is no longer on his jersey when we're back in regular season at, at Bikers Life Fieldhouse. Uh, right. I'm not sure, but, you know, guys like I mentioned that are locked up for multiple years, there doesn't seem to be too much flexibility with the upcoming free agency class especially if Tim Hardaway Jr. opts into his player option, which I think he would. Uh, I think it's about uh, yeah, I mean, 18 million. So we'll see. we'll keep our eyes open for that one and see if the Mavericks can rise to the occasion when it actually is in the playoffs. They seem to have nailed themselves firmly into the seventh seed. So the three through six uh, spots with Oklahoma City, the you know uh, Utah Jazz, Houston Rockets, those are the guys that are kind of uh, 
kind of jockeying for position. Who knows if they if the Jazz still want to avoid the Rockets? So we'll we'll kind of keep it keep an eye on how the teams play these last four seeding games, whether they rest their guys like Milwaukee did against the Nets. Um, or, you know, because, you know, Giannis and Chris Middleton only played in the first half, or, yeah, first half of that game, less than 20 minutes each. Yeah, they play like 15 minutes. Just... Or what's going to happen. Yeah. The last thing, kind of anecdotally, uh, that disappointed me was the Houston Rockets, man. Like, I love watching those guys play. I may be, you know, uh, you know, one unique person that, that might say that. Uh, I love seeing how they scramble. Well, actually, I love seeing how they don't really scramble on defense, allow a lot of penetration and looks at the rim. Uh, PJ Tucker can only stretch himself in so many directions. Robert Covington has been looking phenomenal winning jump balls. I mean, balls. that's Rock, it's Rocco, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Lord, Lord, Lord Covington is always doing work, man. Uh, you know, Andre's been his biggest supporter since day, you know, zero uh, over in Philadelphia. Uh, but, man, what, what's been blowing my mind was how – they say we got to play great defense. I thought they cracked the code, man. They were playing mediocre defense, playing phenomenal offense, and saying, you know what? We'll, we'll play defense for the last two minutes. See if we yeah, can make it close. Yeah. <laughs> and like, they did it twice. Turn it on when we need to. Yeah. And they almost did it a third time against Portland, man, until uh, Damon Lillard hot shooting kind of and, – and Carmelo Anthony hot shooting. Carmelo Anthony. Skinny yeah. Millo. Uh, you know, where does – He's uh, like, hey, where? man, y'all kick me off the team. I'm kicking y'all out. <laughs> The playoff out the, out the uh, bubble. Get yeah. out. Uh, so where does Skinny Mellow rank in your pantheon of of Carmelo Anthony nicknames? Skinny Mellow is hoodie. Hoodie Mellow is at the me- top. Um, Olympic Mellow. Olympic Mellow. Fat Mellow. Are we just doing names? Or are we talking skill? We're talking about names. Talk about names. Okay. Yeah. No. Yeah. Hoodie Mellow's at the top. Then it's Olympic Mellow. Then then Skinny Mellow. Braids Mellow. That's basically any mellow from Denver. That's that's Denver mellow. That was actually my mellow, man. I had the poster. Uh, I had a jersey and all that stuff. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, so hoodie, hoodie mellows at the top, though. Before we uh, let you go, Andre, go hit the sheets. What um what is your prediction for who's gonna make the bubble uh playoff bracket tournament for the eighth seed? Who's going to make the, the playing games in the West? Because we don't think that the Wizards are going to scrape it together in the East. So who's going to be fighting for the 8th seed in the 8th and ninth? And who do you think is eventually going to make it to uh, represent the 8th seed in the Western Conference? So 8th seed, I think, is going to be Portland. Just because, man, gonna they... are going to keep being hot, looking like is, all uh, in. They came to play, and they look like... Damian Lillard's a very good leader. Like a very very good leader, and that team they came to play, man. They're they really want to make the finals again. They're at least the conference finals. I'm sure they want to contend for a championship as well. But like they they came to play, and they have experience. Like they have a whole bunch of vets who know what it takes to win. So man, it's gonna be hard to beat them. Like the rest of those teams, they're hot, but they you're not gonna beat Portland. I think. Um, I'm going to go – I want to say the Suns, man. I like I like what I'm so seeing eight, right nine, now. From the, Portland yeah. and eight, the Phoenix eight, Suns. Portland and the Suns. Valley I boys, like. get your shades on because the Suns are out. It's looking sunny, man. Yeah. Hey, it's midnight right now, but it's sunny in uh, the U.K. right now. It's sunny somewhere, so yeah. I don't know, right. man. Well, you heard it here first, guys. We'll get uh, JV's predictions in the second part of the episode, and we'll post those up and see what you guys think, see who you guys think is right, Andre versus JV. Uh, so I guess that's it for the uh, this half of the podcast, guys. 
if there's anything else uh, you want to say to the people, Andre, go ahead and say it now. Peace out, y'all. Love my <laughs> fans. Sorry I ain't been around. You know, I've been busy. I ain't shaved. and wearing this mask all the time, but still love y'all. <laughs> all right, well, it's sleep time. All right, Andre, have a great night. We'll catch up to you soon. All right, man. See you around. And we're back. It is the same episode of The Shot Callers. Andre has gone to sleep. JV has woken up. And we're here to continue our pseudo-conversation interview about the goings-on now that we're halfway through the bubble. I am awake. That is true. That is a fact. I am awake, Rich. You know I'm a night owl. I'm barely getting the ball rolling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's uh, let's see what's been catching your eye thus far in the bubble. Most teams are four games in. We got four games left. We're going to have you do some predictions at the end of our little segment here. But let's go ahead and free flow, man. What is What has caught your eye? What is the most intriguing thing about the bubble to you so far, about the games that have been going on on the court? So, so one thing that stood out to me over the weekend is we had a couple of, and there's a lot, right? I'll go over several things, but one thing that really stood out over the last few, couple of days, really, I think it was the last two days, something happened today um, between, I'm trying to think of the two players, they got into a scuffle, and, oh, yeah. Oh, you talking about Shake and Bede? Oh. No, no, no. Aaron Gordon was calling, uh, who was he calling a bitch? <laughs> Come on, Rich, I need your help with this one. He was calling uh he was calling somebody a bitch and he was like, I'm in room eight eight thirty four. You can hear him mouthing, Oh my gosh, I'm so mad that I can't remember who the other guy was. What uh, team was it? Uh so it was the magic. So it was the magic today, and they played against the uh the rap okay, yeah. So Kyle Lowry. There you go. That's that's all I needed to look at. So it was uh Kyle Lowry. And uh, kind of like kind of fouled him a little bit, you know. It's like they got into a little scuffle, but anyway, yeah, it was after away. it was after that midair foul. Like uh, yeah. it was kind of dangerous to land, and nobody likes you know having that kind of dangerous play if you perceive it that way. So it kind of got them all riled up, right? Yeah, and the reason I'm touching that is because just the other day in the Nets game against the the Bucks, right, which was a major upset, by the way. Uh, I saw a stat that said that's the biggest upset as far as point spread mm-hmm. since like 2009. So hey man, like you get with Jamal Crawford on the team. Yeah, and I mean it's different circumstances, so I won't put too much weight, but still, I mean I'm, I'm sure the Bucks were, were trying, and the reason I know they were trying is because of this. I mean, uh if you saw the play, um basically, you know, Giannis is driving and he gets fouled by Dante Hall. Mm-hmm. And uh they get into it, you know, I start basically um and uh, Giannis ends up on the ground. And uh, you know, he gets up and he kinda of charges towards him, but then of course everybody gets in the middle. And so the reason I bring this up is because you look at Twitter and everybody's like, oh, they're not going to fight. Why are they acting like they're going to fight? If they really were going to fight, they, they would fight. I mean, they, they're all staying in the same hotel. And then today I see the whole thing between uh, Kyle Lowry and Aaron Gordon. And Aaron Gordon's like, you're a bitch. And then he's like, we ain't 34. And so I'm like, oh, okay. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so you're <laughs> saying yeah, the, the circumstances have changed. They are not getting on separate planes tonight. They are going exactly. to the same you, place. You can't ignore these guys, right? There's social distancing going on, so I doubt they're sitting at the same dinner table. But it's funny because they don't just – JB, you still there? Did I cut off? Yeah, you did. You actually uh, left the chat real quick. So I don't know what happened. It just like kicked me out. Yeah, I was just muted my mic so that I wouldn't breathe, and and then at the same time you you took off. But 
we can resume right I'll where just, you said uh, social distancing. Yeah, so they they they're obviously social distancing, but you're right; it's a different circumstance. They don't get to just get on a plane and go on to the next city or go back home. These are guys you could probably rinse in the hall, right? So like that 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 beef, like what happens with that beef, Rich? I'm curious, right? Do they do they do they squash it? I w- I would think they probably squash it because they're professionals and right, and they're probably just more heat of the moment. But wouldn't it be so interesting to have like cameras and mics in the halls and in the you know in the you want to do a real world <laughs> Big Brother combinations? <laughs> go after <laughs> I want to be able to turn on the TV and watch Joe and Beat sleep. It's like that's creepy. <laughs> I mean, Andre might be trying to do that right now. <laughs> Andre would sub to that in a heartbeat. But no, in all reality, it'd be it'd be very interesting to see if these guys, you know, they hash it out and they're just like, you know what. It's all good. It was all in the heat of the moment. Or if they're like, you know, let's settle it right now and on a game of Uno, you know? Yeah. Because <laughs> I doubt they're actually going to fight, right? Well, um, dude, you just made me think of something that I hadn't thought about. Like, it could yeah. be game four, pivotal game four. Boston makes a crazy three to tie up the series and go back to Milwaukee or go up 3-1, whatever. And then in the day off between those two games those guys share the same hotel at the moment. So they could both end up at the same cafeteria the next morning. Like, Have you ever seen the Mighty Ducks? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think of when the, the Mighty Ducks go into the dorm room of the other team and they put like ants in their, they like put a, run a tube of ants to their beds and put mm-hmm. shaving cream and everybody, right. you know, on in their hands and stuff so that they, you know, they were, they smother all over their faces and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could sabotage a team like that. They're, they're in the next floor. They're in the next, in the next building or the next floor, Rich. So we'll put that poll up. We'll say, uh, which team is most likely to put Saran wrap on the opposing team's toilets during the Eastern Conference Finals? <laughs> exactly, exactly. But, uh, <laughs> Again, you know, something that probably never happened. Wouldn't that be so cool if we can get some mics and some cameras in those uh, in those hallways just to see what happens? Um, it, it'd be like when the uh, Houston Rockets and Chris Paul stormed the Staples Center with Clint Capella as a Trojan horse knocking on the front door. Chris Paul led the team through the back hallways to confront the LA Clippers. The sewers? Through but the time, system to get to yeah yeah but time, <laughs> a thousand but i want to i want to make a point with this people online who are like they'll never actually fight you guys gotta understand these guys at one point played street ball they played a u ball all this kind of stuff where there's a lot of shit talking that you probably don't see and they probably have gotten into it with not only like opposing teams but probably even teammates right and we forget where some of these guys grew up like don't I wouldn't be so quick to call people soft. I mean, that's just some of the stuff I saw online, right? Oh, they're not actually going to fight. Well, they're not going to fight because that's their career, right? They're millionaires, and they, they're they not going to do it in that regard because it just doesn't make professional sense or business sense. Mm-hmm. But best believe, if these guys are found in, the right, in the, found in the right situation, like, I'm sure they're down to throw hands, and I'm not going to be on the receiving end, Rich. <laughs> I don't care. Oh, yeah, dude. They're tall. <laughs> Kyle Ryan looks small on TV. This guy is taller than most of you out there listening. So yeah. um, by no means the, the, uh, would I say that he's not down to throw hands. So you're saying these Twitter users are not any harder than the NBA players that they're calling soft. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, Twitter fingers, right? We all know how that goes. Um, that's one thing that stood out. Another thing that stood out... Um, it's just how organized, um, just how organized the entire production is, right? We talked a little bit about this last week, but the production doesn't cease to amaze me. It's cool how they still try to kind of give the home team vibe, where like if let's say the other day I was watching it and it was the, uh, it was the Rockets, Suns, Rockets, it was the Rockets, and they were the home team, and you see the, 
let's go Rockets, like actually flashing in the back, like yeah. in, on offense, you know? And, you yeah, know, so that would I, been a real game. You'd have the, the drum beating in the back, let's go Rockets or some shit like mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. And so that's really cool because they try to still keep that home court advantage, even though obviously there's no home court advantage. Um, the seating, uh, the player seating, it looks really like, uh, I watch I watch a lot of soccer, quite a bit of soccer, and those the seating right there kind of looks like they do in soccer, where they all have like those spread out individual chairs. Um, it just looks really cool because you know you're used to them seeing you're used to them um, being all crowded up next to each other on the bench. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's like they all they each have their own individual chair. It's like they're in a chamber, like they're 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 rejuvenating for that next for their next uh, <laughs> for their next minutes, right? For the next time they're up. Yeah. in their own individual chamber and you call the number and the guy just like unplugs from whatever side they're, they're out of the matrix exactly <laughs> <laughs> unplugging from the matrix to uh, uh, this is oh. not this is not the way i thought your observations were going to go but i love it uh <laughs> so to comment on what you said already like that giant video board you know what it reminds me of it reminds me of if you've ever watched formula one or if you've ever even played mario kart when they go around the track in the grand prix above the the crowd in the stands where there isn't one in the nba there is a gigantic video board and so as they oh, yeah. run back down the court after that may three sometimes you'll see a graphic that goes from right to left basically chasing the players back down the court and i think it looks so sick with different like three-point shooter celebration uh logos and stuff like that um are you saying we should introduce items to the nba yeah dude <laughs> banana peels <laughs> koopa shells no, yeah. uh, if if you guys aren't watching, uh, don't know what I mentioned earlier with the fight. Just Google it; you'll see. It, it, it is it is really scuffles, Rich. I'll be honest; like nothing serious happens. Um, but it's cool to see them get heated at such an early stage of the of the campus, right? Because mm-hmm. that was something that we talked about, and we we're like, "Well, our team's gonna coast. What teams are gonna coast? You know, uh, is this just kind of getting reps in?" But I have yet to see a game where it seemed like a team was just not in it. Right, and right, right. I don't know if I'm, if I'm good to jump right into this, Rich, but there's no greater example of this than the Phoenix Suns. Oh, if, so if, Andre tested on this already. Let's see what you got to say. But if you go back to our, our recap on it, it was one of those where it was like looking real grim. There's, some, there's oh. some egg on my face on a lot of these teams. <laughs> I the because I did the Kings and we were talking about the Sun Kings being their only shot at getting into the playoffs. But Devin Brooks and those boys over there, they're making it happen. Um, we talked about them not being on Instagram or Twitter or anything like yeah. that. Up to the res- resumption. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's the key right there, Rich. No distractions. They yeah, were dude, all work. Their defense is looking smooth. I mentioned some players in the previous segment. Mikhail Bridges, their rookie that I said they were going to be developing. Guys don't want to drive at him, or if they don't know that he's got some defensive chops, once they start driving at him, he's making them uncomfortable. So that's very, very promising. Along with, all, of course, all the offensive fireworks. Devin Booker making that three uh, to retread what we did earlier in the in the uh, in the episode. Like, yeah, those guys look awesome, and those might uh, have you make a prediction, and I wonder if they're going to kind of make an appearance when I ask you that question. Yeah, um, I mean, I guess the biggest thing, and and I've always been a skeptic, you know, you know me, right, when when (laughs) things don't kind of go according to plan, and of course, I'm a cheerleader for certain underdogs, but um, when it comes to teams like the Suns, yeah, I watch games of theirs. They're, they're def- Devin Booker's definitely exciting to watch. Um, 
they have a young core. I'm just kidding, Rich. <laughs> DeAndre Aiden's uh, back. Uh-huh. DeAndre Aiden's back. You know, the, I, the, I would say they're at full strength or about as full strength as they could get. But the number one thing with them is, you know, I, I still, even after that, that game against the Clippers, right, it was a, it was a nail-biter. We, we saw that impressive, you know, fadeaway. It was like a turnaround fadeaway in traffic kind of, you know. It looked like it like it looked like they almost trapped him, and then he just kind of turned the other way and faded away and fell on the ground. And Paul George ended up on the ground. It seems like Paul George is always the one on the receiving end of those uh, game winners. But I'm still gonna hold my reservations, Rich, because because of because it ended in that in that manner. I just don't know if they can maintain that momentum despite their defensive prowess. Um, Devin Booker it has the ability to hang fifty on you, right? But we also have seen a Devin Booker who shoots inefficiently and, and at times, right? So the way the playoff picture is 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 lined up right now, they are um, they're two games back with four games left to go uh, each, and that's them and the Grizzlies. And I said this during the previews. I don't think the Grizz. I don't think it's reasonable to say that the Grizzlies are going to lose another four in a row, right? It 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 could happen. Right, we're halfway there, but with the Suns, the way they're playing, I think they're definitely riding momentum. They're riding that early hot streak, but I just don't see. I, I don't think it's going to be that they can't win enough games. I just don't think the Grizzlies can lose enough games. You know, it's mathematically very stacked against them, even at this point where they're only two games back. They both have a very tough schedule. I really wish they played each other. Rich, wouldn't that just be great if that was like game number eight? And yep. they, were, they were like within half a game of each other because I think that's how it works out. They'd be within either a game or a half game at the very end. Um, but you know, I've only watched a little bit of the Suns throughout the season, and even in this campus. So there's 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 moments of brilliance. We know Devin Booker. Is, I'm not even like shocked that he hit that right. It was it was an amazing moment, and not many people can hit that shot. But I wouldn't. I'm not surprised. I mean, we saw what he did at the three point contest. He was just kind of like a, he was a, what do you call it? A replacement in that. Mm-hmm. And he was one of the like top three guys. Like he didn't make it to the second round, but that was like by one shot. So we know he has that shooting ability. I think um, with the, uh, with the Suns, the key to them is going to be, can they outlast the Grizzlies? Um, but they're facing some more defensive minded teams here in the later rounds, a little bit more tenure teams. If we look at their schedule, Rich, uh, the Phoenix Suns in the last four games, so the second half of their games, they play, they play the Heat. Who you and I, you you asked me to tune in on that one particularly the other day to watch the Heat, right? Hell yeah! Against the Celtics, and I was just like, you you were like, watch them; they're fun to watch. And I was like, yeah. I mean, I've got a I've got kind of a personal vendetta against the Heat, but I will watch them because I I enjoy basketball, and I and I tuned in, and I'm glad I did. It is crazy just how quickly they are to get back on offense. And when they're half when they're in half court set, their ball rotation is like actually very disciplined. Like it's very unselfish. There's not like one guy, even though Jimmy Butler's the guy, mm-hmm. I don't feel like the ball has to be in his hand. I feel like they're okay with swinging the ball around and they got more shooters than I thought. I mentioned oh, it too. Yeah. I yeah, was like shooters in my head. and I was like, hold up, maybe they don't need a slot shooter because <laughs> they're they're hitting bucket, they're getting their buckets from the perimeter and on the inside. So it's really bodes really well that they don't need like that guy that always brings the ball up. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, they have a lot of ball handlers. Yeah, exactly. So right. after watching that game, I'm just like, okay, they they they're gonna make some noise. 
they're likely first round opponent, not to jump around, right? But the, I think the Heat's likely first round opponent is the is the, the Pacers, right? The Sixers, right? No, oh, well, uh, depending on the Sixers, Pacers, it could be the Sixers, but it's probably going to be the Pacers. You're right. That's going to be one that now that some of the circumstances have changed and some of the positioning has changed, that's one that I could see going to Game Seven. Despite no Sabonis, I still think it could go to Game Seven because they got a little bit, they got a secret weapon over there in Indiana called T.J. Warren. Super so. secret, <laughs> like nobody knew this. <laughs> that, no, guy's, but, that guy's yes. got the coolest nickname uh, that could come out of the bubble because he got traded from Phoenix for cash considerations. So all they gotta do is call him Cash, man. <laughs> TJ TJ Warren, he's got money the other night when he put up 53 and then 30 point outings in two other games. And it was a highly, well, you have to be efficient to score 53. So I think that goes without saying, mm-hmm. but I'm jumping all over for teams, but it's okay. This is the cap is, man. There's so much going on. We're going to touch yeah, on man. everybody right now. There's somebody that, uh, that I was, I figured you'd mentioned a lot earlier at this point, but uh, just to finish up what you were talking about with the heat, dude, they got shooters everywhere. Duncan Robinson, everyone, the, your point about Jimmy Butler being able to, you know, demand the attention of the defense in late game situations facilitate offense but overall throughout the flow of the game encourage bam out of bio to run the offense through him have screeners go around him toss the ball out to the corner for open threes from duncan robinson and goran Dragic. awesome tyler hero but as a larger whole they really all seem like individual cogs that make each other work and jimmy butler's just a larger cog but it's still enabling everyone else to do what they can do best Derrick Jones is still cutting to the rim, skying to, you know, the skies to throw down wannabe thrunks, even though he missed one today. He, he missed it kind of kind of hard. Um, yeah, Duncan Robinson, Goran Dragic, Tyler Hero. Those guys all seem to be in shape, ready to go, uh, exciting. So uh, I, I've come a long way from my personal vendettas against the Heat from the years <laughs> 2005, 2006, 2007. I kid, um, I kid, Rich. <laughs> no, no, but but yeah, for real. And so those guys, those guys are an awesome team, well coached, great looking jerseys. I'm excited for them. Who's the next team on your radar, JB? Well, just real quick, one thing that I noticed about Bam Adebayo, it, it was signs of there was signs of almost like Pascal Siakam last year. Mm-hmm. If you watch the way he 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 crashes the boards on offense. I really like he he, he puts back a lot of buckets. I don't know if you noticed that he's really good at at, at putting buckets back, at, at having getting putbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, I hate to just say this because they're so gen- generic, but his athleticism really shows on both ends of the court. Because uh, uh, he's so uh, he's so he moves very well uh, horizontally, so it's very hard to get around him. You know and. If you've ever hooped, if you have a defender that might not be, and in this case he is quick, but who's not only who's not quick, but he's hard to get around because their wingspan or just their build in general is wide, makes it real hard to drive to the rim, and you can see that with Bam. So it's really hard for anybody to get around him on defense. But then on offense, kind of like you said, right, Jimmy Butler, if if there's a play drawn up for Bam, like he'll toss it to Bam in the post or wherever he he favors. I I don't I haven't watched him enough to know if he favors a certain position on the court, mm-hmm. but he's able to get to the rim, and you know he's got some he's got some some muscle on him. So yeah. So the I, comparison that uh, Andre made that I thought was apt it might be the haircut, but he's like he looks like a small Dwight Howard. He's got big shoulders, able to move you with a thick base. You know he's able to kind of get in the post, bang around like. He, Giannis dunked on him hardcore today, but Giannis had a like a basically a drive baseline to the rim, and Bam followed him step for step. Giannis's insane length took him under the basket for a reverse dunk on him. 
but he didn't lose a step the entire way. He didn't, he didn't, like, he didn't, he didn't shy away from it either. Exactly. Right? exactly. That, that's huge sometimes whenever you have guys, because you can have big, like you can have big men that are strong, but if they shy away from that kind of play, like it really, it really builds confidence in the opposing player to say, you know what, I can go strong at this guy and I'm not going to get challenged. So even though Giannis dunked on him, now the next time around he's going to be like, this is going to take some work. This is going to take some work if I'm going to go at this guy all game. Yes. And so you kind of you gotta think about him. There's some wear on you if you do that if you try to do that every time. And even a guy like Giannis, you can only bang around the post so much. Like you you don't want to do that to your body all night long. It's just not ideal, right? Um, another team, um, the Mavericks. I'll touch on the Mavericks a little bit, and then I'll touch on my favorite matchup of the weekend. I mentioned to you this to you guys. Uh, the Mavericks a little disappointing, but also at the same time. Um, you know they always say if you're gonna if you're gonna fail, this is the time to fail. Uh-huh. That's called practice, Rich. Um, oh. I, I work in sales, obviously I manage people, and I always tell them, hey, if I'm if I'm trying to help, if I'm trying to coach you on something, it's okay if you fail with me right now. I just don't need you to fail come game time, right? Sales is a little different. We don't actually play a game, but in front of the customer, right? We're like, don't fail, fail yes. here, because this is the time to fail. But be ready to go come come go time. And granted, these games do count, but in reality, for the Mavericks, I mean, it's not gonna, it's, it's not gonna really make a difference, right? Because come yeah. playoffs, they're gonna be the seventh seed. I think that's pretty much locked in at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so even though they 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 dropped the games, to, they just dropped a game to the Clippers today. They dropped the close one to the Suns, and then they dropped a, like a heartbreaker to the Rockets, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they were up by what seven points with about forty seconds left. If I told yeah, you you're up by seven with four seconds left, there's a very good Sounds chance. Good. I would love to see the stats on that. That's probably in the high nineties, right? A chance of winning. it was ninety nine percent. ninety nine percent off. And uh, yeah. everything that could go wrong did go wrong, but you learn from that, right? I think that kind of has been indicative of the Mavericks. That's kind of been characteristic of the Mavericks all season long. They will lead games, but they, it's very difficult for them to close it out. I don't know if it's complacency. They feel like they've got it in the bag, and let's just kind of coast the rest of the game, and then it sneaks up on them. And But I'm sure that has to do a lot with their lack of tenure. There's not really anybody that's playoff-proven outside of, like, J.J., right? There's nobody who's been in the playoffs before. There's nobody who's super tenured in their NBA history, who's played a ton of games, who's played a ton of minutes, who has had to play in closeout games, et cetera. So I wonder how that's going to bode for them in the playoffs. But hopefully they're learning from their mistakes. They're learning not to get too ahead of themselves or get too comfortable with any, any type of lead. Because even if you go to the very last possession, Rich, before the Rockets tied it up, the way they lost it is essentially they were down by two. They were up by two. Um, I can't remember who was shooting free throws. Harden. Was, it was Harden. And then Robert coming to camera. Robertson comes to yeah. You've got Maxi Clear on one end, and you've got Chris Tasperzini on the other end. Those guys should be able to box out Robert Covington. <laughs> like, they should just be able to. And he just comes over and around Cleveland like no box out. And he is able to grab it and put, get the putback. It's a tie game. Goes to overtime, they lose it, right? Because you know how it happens. The momentum is always with the team that ties it mm. going into overtime. That's just how it is because the other team's like, ah, oh, you know, it's that moment where it's like we had it and we let it slip out of our hands. So the momentum already is already shifted to their team. So you kind of had a feeling that that, that was going to be the end result at that point. But hopefully they learn from those mistakes. They have a ten, very tenured coach. I mean, if, if Rick Carlisle can get anybody to, to – if, if anybody can get a team, a young team to – and we can talk about Rick Carlisle's history with young guys. 
But if anybody can get a team to come together and really, you know, tighten up on defense, I think it'd be, it's Ricarla. He's proven to be able to do that in the past. But one thing that I did like about the postgame interviews is Chris Tapps mentioned that he feels like them as a team spend way too much time complaining about calls. That's I'm paraphrasing like crazy. He didn't say we complain too much about calls. But essentially I'm paraphrasing. And he feels like the focus on the game is re- they remove their fo- they take their focus off of the game in moments like that because they're more preoccupied with I was supposed to get that call, I was supposed to get that call. In turn, that makes them slower to get back on defense. And we saw some of that. Like there was one transitional play down the stretch where the um you know there was a there was a missed call or I guess they thought it was a missed call enough for I think it was on either Luca or Dorian Finnish Smith. But that I think that player was busy you know, griping about the call, teams in transition, trying to get back on defense. There's a little miscommunication about who's going to guard who because they're already kind of five on four, right? Mm-hmm. And Robert Compton sitting in the room, like solo, like wide open three, bucket. Like every time that's going to happen, right? If you just leave a man that open, like Robert Compton's not going to miss that, especially a team against the Rockets who everybody is amazing from the three-point line. Uh, so hopefully they learn from that. Like I said, this is the time to make those mistakes, but they really got to get, get it together in a hurry. Even the game they won against the Kings was uncertain. They were trailing that game in the fourth quarter. Yep, needed they overtime to, to win. So, so it, 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 it doesn't pull well for the rich, and they're facing the Clippers around one. We saw what happened today. They, they, had, they had some moments where it felt like they, they could make it really close, and then at the end they just started turning the ball over. Couldn't get a couldn't buy a bucket. Um, I had this conversation with a friend of ours, and you know I agree with them in this sense. We, they have to get they have to figure out a way to get the ball, and especially against a team like the Clippers, where we would have the size of the Mavericks would have the size advantage on the interior, right? Because outside of Zubac, they don't really have a ton of size interior, and you've got the biggest like center in the league, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so getting the ball more to Kristaps. My argument there is always going to be well, Kristaps doesn't seem to really have. Uh, entourage or a plethora of post moves. Uh, I really wish he would develop a few more post moves. It feels like he's really hesitant to put the ball even on the floor. <laughs> like he, he wants to like almost catch and shoot or catch and like two step. Yeah, he's a, he's a he's a face up player, uh, and he can also cut to the rim and get a lob. Yeah. Uh, if anything, I think it should be moments where Zubac is on the floor, or maybe Harrell and Lou Williams are both on the floor in a in a matchup against the Clippers, where maybe they try to unleash Boban because Boban has touch. I've been screaming at times looking at Boban making those shots that you think are improbable to go in, but he's got the soft touch, looking like you know anybody around the rim that you can think of that you know where it rattles around four times it goes right in. It's like soft as a baby blanket, like just ready to go in there. So yeah. if you can get Boban in there in limited spurts, that's kind of where I think the Mavericks could uncover some found money, basically. Those bench minutes when Luca's yeah. trying to rest or Chris Dapp is trying to rest, I think Boban could really make yeah, it. And I agree with you because it was definitely in those moments because at the end of the fourth quarter, they tied it. Maxi Kleber hit a big three. They tied it 101. Next seven points were all by the Clippers. And guess who wasn't on the floor? Chris Dapp's Right, so you could tell that they were missing that that interior presence. Um, but you're right, Boban has the touch. He's even hit some threes. I'm not saying he shoot threes. Do not shoot threes, Boban, please. Um, <laughs> but you're right. Like he has touch in the in the interior, and you know he got the size. That's a presence for the guys that are driving to the rim. Um, 
Granted, uh, he, he can't move his feet very well, but the height he has, he could keep the ball away from Anthony Davis. Like we've seen him play yeah, away with exactly. Anthony Davis before, who's seven feet in his own right. So you were teasing me, uh, JV. I want to get to exactly what you were mentioning. What is the matchup that you are most excited to watch? Oh, Lord, no. My favorite matchup to these two offenses, if I can see them on the court at the same time, I'm tuning in, and I tune in for all of this one, and that was the Portland Trailblazers against the Houston Rockets. It's no secret that I enjoy watching Damian Litter and the Portland Trailblazers, and I've talked about just how much I like uh, the small, the smallest ball. I call it the smallest ball because I haven't seen a smaller lineup than the Rockets are throwing out there. Um, the smallest ball offense there is. Um, just because it's so easy to see what they're trying to do, and you know what they're trying to do, but you can't stop it. You cannot stop it, and it's deadly, right? If it weren't for, uh, if it weren't for the fact that Portland can kind of go toe to toe with the with the scoring of Houston, um, we might have ended up with a different story. But throughout the whole game, when it just when it seemed like Portland was gaining some momentum and really pulling away. I mean, it takes two possessions for Houston to be right back in. And that happens several times where it's like, okay, here comes Portland with a nine-point lead. Bam, we're right within five, like, immediately. Because the way they run their small ball, as we mentioned before, it's, you know, they're just all about pulling everybody away from the paint, getting the ball to, the, to, to either Harden or Westbrook. Typically one of those two guys, they slash to the rim. And what does that do? The defense just, like, collapses because they're just like, oh, shit, you know, there's a wide-open paint. Mm-hmm. And help has to come, and then gotta rotate. boom, they're really good at dishing it out. Everybody's got to rotate, they're scrambling, they're scrambling, and it doesn't matter where that ball ends up, which it's going to end up in the hands of a what? An open three-point shooter that has had confidence to shoot. Exactly. It, like, there's, they are all very confident in shooting that shot, and they shoot it very well. So that's what makes them very scary, because at any point, you know, they can hit those, they can hit back-to-back three-point plays. And that happened all night. Um Despite Damian Lillard, you know, going into like the third quarter with only four points, the Portland Trailblazers led for the majority of that game. So it was the CJ McCollum show. Um, it was good to see Nurkic out there, and Zach Collins actually got some points on the board as well. Um, he got into foul trouble <laughs> pretty pretty quickly. When he I, thought that, I thought that went without saying. I was going to bring it up, but I was like, everyone knows he gets five yeah. fouls in fifteen minutes. Yeah, like he was out there. <laughs> he was up for like five minutes. And he got a defensive and an offensive foul within five minutes. Um, one of them was like an illegal screen. So, like, Zach Collins is the foul magnet. That's just the way it is. But uh, he's a smart player when it comes, particularly in transition. There's a couple moments where they're running back up the court, you know, either three on three, whatever, in transition. And he just knows that Damian Lillard is looking for that outlet pass. But obviously, it's not for him to shoot it, it's for him to find the next man up. And he's just making very smart passes. So like him and, and Dane were running up the court. Dane tosses it to them to him and then he finds CJ trailing as well. And he just like puts it in the perfect spot and then CJ just, you know, gets the easy floater. Um so he's very smart and he knows where everybody is on the court at all times. So even though he's a foul liability and he doesn't have a whole lot of like footwork himself. So he's not it's not you're gonna throw him out there and be like, Go get me some buckets, right? He's more so you know, and you somebody man. in it. Yeah, he's a garbage man. He's going to clean up the boards. He's going to do an interior pieces on defense to make it a difficult shot, right? To make a not so to make a medium medium difficult shot into a difficult shot, you know, more mm-hmm. so like the mid range. Uh, he can guard the perimeter though. He's he's long. He is athletic. He can move um, his feet. Yeah, so he's good in that regard as well. 
Um, but I get he's not he's not a bucket getter, but he's the perfect person I feel like to back up Nurkic. Um, one thing that was interesting about Portland is they were in a big lineup a lot of the night. There was moments where it was Hassan Whiteside and Nurkic, Hassan Whiteside and Zach Collins at the same time, and I was like, well, "What is going on right now? You're doing this against the Rockets, like?" Well, and and it seems but those, so... but those guys are athletic, so it it worked because Hassan Whiteside. We might talk about him not being the best, like at positioning himself for like rebounds and stuff, but he mm-hmm. can dunk the. He he can get out there like he can run with those teams, so he does have that going for him. And and it it shocked me to see it, but it actually worked. Like Hassan Whiteside was disrupting shots, um, and you know actually grabbing some boards. But you know in that case, it doesn't matter if he goes block first, Rich, because there's another guy that can clean up the boards. So yeah, it worked in that regard. They were out rebounding the Rockets almost by thirty rebounds. Depending on which uh, which matchup you're talking about, the Rockets are getting out rebounded. So that height is definitely costing them until you know they've been kind of not lucking it out but clutching it out uh you know in the last minutes against the mavericks against their second opponent uh i believe it was the the celtics uh and then you know they end up losing to portland but it seems as though the the rockets are like all right we're gonna run our offense we're gonna score outscore you or score with you and then right when we have to we're gonna kick it into overdrive try to create some steals get some block shots with robert covington Post defense from James Harden, which has been a plus uh, for a lot of his career, but especially during these open and seeding games, create just enough chaos and turnovers to kind of steal the win. And I wonder if that's something that they are intentionally doing, like to conserve their energy just a little bit, because that those lineups can be taxing. Um, they definitely need to do that. Uh, one thing I wanted to touch on that uh, it's a damn shame, and there's no knowing if he's going to be back. But they 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 don't they didn't have Eric Gordon, so I would have loved to have seen both teams at full strength. I talked about that lineup being their most efficient lineup. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, with, with Eric Gordon, the big five. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you know Russell Westbrook, James Harden, PJ Tucker, uh, Eric Gordon, and Robert Covington. Mm-hmm. You know we haven't seen an hour's worth of that lineup this year. I believe it. It's crazy. And just when you think it's going to happen, Eric Gordon gets hurt again. I wish him the best because I hope there's a possibility that he might be back at some point. Um, It's not looking super promising for first round. So if they can get out of the first round, they might get him. Um, But, man, the West is killers. We see that. Freaking 1 through 12, Rich. (laughs) They're all killers. So at any moment's notice, they can can get bounced in the first round. And we know Russell Westbrook, his history – in the first round, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it might come to fruition. Dang, low, blow, low blow. I'm just saying. I mean, history tends to repeat itself. But I would have loved to see him in full strength because, like I said, we haven't even seen an hour's worth of that lineup, and we didn't get to see it against you know one of the other very promising offenses in the Portland Trailblazers. Um, what I do, what doesn't bode well for me, and it's on the stat line as well, is there something about PJ Tucker's three point shot? He doesn't seem to be shooting in rhythm, Rich. I, if you didn't notice, watch just watch some highlights. Watch PJ Tucker highlights or whatever for that game. I think we have a channel for that on YouTube that breaks that down really well. Mm-hmm. But um, maybe we can plug it at, at the end of the show. But um, PJ Tucker, watch the way when he catches and shoots. Matt doesn't seem like he's shooting with that confidence you just talked about a little while ago. It seems very out of rhythm. He had one go off the side of the backboard the other day uh, in that game, actually. And I had noticed that before, but I was like, it's probably just rust. You know, it's probably just rust. It's going to go away. But we're talking game four. Game four of the re- resumption, he's still shooting awkwardly, almost Ben Simmons-like. That's another level. 
Yeah, um, <laughs> uh, so but it's just very awkward. So I hope he gets out of that. I hope he gets back into rhythm because the fact that you don't have Eric Gordon and their offense really relies on those shooting, those perimeter shooters, right, to be able to at any time, you know, dish it out to the open man, swing the ball around the arc, and then whoever has the most open shot takes it. You need P.J. Tucker to hit those shots. And the other night, I mean, he was two for six. Not crazy and efficient, but just the fact that those misses were so awkward uh, worries me a little bit for the Rockets because I, I see them definitely as one of the 10 dark horses in this uh, tournament. I think once they settle into their surroundings fully, Mike D'Antonio is commenting that he really likes the setup, you know, consistent arena, consistent depth of field each night, no travel, you know, the best that you can think of with good sleep. I think that's going to really pay dividends. And then I want to lean on, you know, the history for this season of P.J. Tucker's three-point shot. He does lead the league in, in a corner three-point shot. So as long as they're feeding them to him in the right position, I have a feeling it's going to go back to uh, close to his season average. So I'll definitely keep an eye on that. Thanks for pointing that out, JB. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, before we want to get statistics, though, the person who shit the bed in that game was Robert Covington. Um, I didn't realize how bad he shot. Two for 11, Rich. So that's also not very common. Um, so, I mean, not indicative of the typical night you'll get out of the Rockets. Um, but I think the Trailblazers did a really good job of limiting the damage, even when they were hitting those three shot, three point shots. Um, they were really slow to bring the ball up after those three point shots. So not really allowing them to get into too much rhythm. I think that also contributed to it. So that's really smart on Portland. I feel like, you know, you see them catching fire. Most teams, what happens whenever somebody hits a big three like that? Quick and down, let's go and push the court. And they were more so like, let's take our time. You know, let's take our time. They, you know, kind of the something you pointed out several years ago that LeBron did that worked really well against the high-paced offense of the Warriors, right? In the finals. Slow down. Slow down. Limit the amount of possessions. Then allow them to get into a rhythm. Thankfully, in this setting, they don't have to worry about the crowd being into it. So that factor kind of gets removed, right? But uh, I feel like they cranked up the – speaking of the crowd, it seems so quiet during the first game or two on the well, first quiet opening today. night, Thursday, Friday night. I'm curious but over to, to to how they decide that because I was watching the Mavs game earlier and then I also watched the um played right before them tonight, Rich. The uh, no, yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. It was the Pacers game, and like towards the end, for some reason, when they're shooting free throws, this shit's crickets. I'm like, why? Why is what did we turn run out of volume? Like we wasted it all in the first half. I think um, it's actively being tweaked because when I saw the Thunder play on Saturday for their opening tip, like I swear it sounded like it was we were in Chesapeake Energy Arena. Like they really recorded their real crowd and pumped them in. Like I was like, man, they're doing it right. Yeah. Uh, and then I saw the Mavericks play again, and it was it was crickets. Like I, there was negative home court advantage. Like it felt like a road game, even though it doesn't feel like a, a home game for anyone. So I think they're actively tweaking it. I think by the time we uh, get to the real playoff games, I feel like they're yeah. going to have a better handle on it because it is up to the home team to basically manufacture all the sounds. Uh, oh, really? Home team, so. well, that makes sense because the other day, I can't remember, I think it was the Clippers. They were shooting a free throw at the end. I could, you could hear the basketball bounce. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. But boom, sometimes boom, you hear boom. little sound effects like, <laughs> bruh, <laughs> whenever somebody misses. So it's pretty have funny. You, have, one thing that, that, that's funny about this whole thing and there not being an actual crowd is when there's like a bang, bang play or anything like that. 
and you they need it and you know they're just cussing up a storm and oh that's yeah why it's, muted. <laughs> it's muted for like 10 seconds oh yeah, yeah. somebody just freaking said every all, they all they said the big five or what is it big <laughs> however many coach words there <laughs> yeah so that that's really funny um yeah i think we touched on pretty much every team uh you guys mentioned already some of the injuries um the big one being just happened what today Oh, one yeah, with the the partial bit. tear and the new to Ben Simmons—that's huge, man. I mean, I already had said that if they faced the Pacers in the first round, they could get bounced. Now they got to face the Celtics, probably, right? Because mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to get that fifth seed now without Ben Simmons. Oh, and before um, we end this podcast, the Raptors are awesome. OG and Obi is awesome. Oh. Their defense oh, on string. Oh, uh, yeah, dude, their defense is on a string. <laughs> we were calling out David Aldridge from the official Shot Callers uh, Twitter account saying he was asking, who's been talking about the shot, the Raptors this season? Yeah, who, Can who you blame us? Who, who didn't think the Raptors were good? And I was like, I mean, we've been saying the Raptors were great from the beginning. Yep, minus I Andre, think, of course. Yeah. I don't know if both of us had him at number two. I know I definitely had him at number two at the beginning, um, and that's exactly where they're at. Um, and just like last year, I'm too narrow horn, but I had them in funds last year, which, and they made it. Um, and I can definitely see that happening again. Um, the Dude, Raptors they, they are have, really they team. have championship medal, like M E T T L E. Like they say, we have been here, we know what we're doing, and they make teams uncomfortable. They are an entire team that gets everyone out of their rhythm. Like that says, we know exactly where you want to go. We will throw out as many defensive configurations, the box in one, the triangle in two, uh, full core press, zone defense, one four zone, yeah. two three zone, however they want to do it, whatever they oh, need yeah. to do. They all are skilled enough and communicative enough with defensive players like Marcus Ole and Kyle Lowry, you know, stopping the point of attack. Uh, yeah, to not scared to of the switches. take on anyone. Exactly. They're not exactly. scared of the switches. Um, and like you said, they play a lot of zone, but when the switch needs to come, these guys are aren't scared of the switch. They're not uncomfortable. If you see that switch onto a bigger guy, you seen Kyle Lowry, what he does whenever he gets switched onto a big man. He'll try to take the charge or pull the chair. Yeah, he kind of hand checks a little bit too. But yeah. <laughs> he's like, "Come on, man, bring it!" Like, yeah, I'm, I'm throwing my, I'm thrusting my pelvis all up on you. Yeah, Watch man. it next time he gets switched onto a big man. He's got a wide base, man. He's can. Yeah. He, he can but look for that specifically when he gets switched onto the big man. Here comes the pelvis. Like, he just throws <laughs> it up on him. Um, yeah, and like. Just to take it a, a little more individualistic. What was that? No technical difficulty. Okay, no worries. There we go. Can you hear me? Yeah. Uh, so one individual um, in, individual defender I want to key in on is like just what would someone guess saying, okay, we have uh, Kawhi Leonard. We're facing him at, at the end of this seeding game. Last position, he's shooting to win. What member of the Raptors are they likely going to put on him? What will most people say? I think most people would probably say Pascal. Pascal, who has yeah. proven to be good on defense, have good size, move his feet, good length, mm-hmm. all the superlatives you can throw at someone. But another one that is right behind him that I brought up at the beginning of the season is really showing out, has spin moves on offense, but is still really great on defense with long arms and really quick laterally. I've said it before. I'll say it again. OG. 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 I don't dress OG. And Anobi. Man, I oh, love yeah. that guy. So uh, I'm so excited to continue watching these guys. I hope we get at least two rounds out of them in the playoffs just because they're so fun to watch. Nick Nurse, their coach, uh, just so creative, not afraid, came in top two 
number three in coach of the year votes from the unofficial, you know, National Association of Coaches, coach of the year. So shout out to him. Shout out to Billy Donovan. Shout out to Mike Budenholzer for co-winning that award in one and two. Uh, so the Raptors, uh, I'm in. So, oh yeah, yeah. I, I hope to see them back in the finals for sure. They're fun to watch. You know, it's funny because I, I I could tell that a lot of people didn't tune into the Raptors until the finals last year, right? Because it's like, what the Raptors got? Who who's Pascal Siakam? Like <laughs> things yeah. like that. I'm like, you gotta watch the Raptors. You gotta watch the Raptors. And maybe that had a lot to do with the hangover from the Demar Derozan years, where they were like the the really good regular season team, but it, it didn't seem as though they had any real threat. Maybe yeah, paper, like paper tiger. Yeah, and every time they would make it into the playoffs, it was like, when are they going to collapse? Is it going to be in the Eastern Conference Finals? Is yeah. it, gonna be? it was almost like a guarantee that they'd get to the Eastern Conference Finals, and then kind of that's as far as they went. Uh, I remember you were very high on them the year before Kawhi Leonard. And oh, multiple almost, years, man. They left I was, it down. I was, no, I mean, yeah, I know. But I was, I, was, I, was in your, I was calling you up. I said, JV, if the Raptors win the first game against the Cavaliers, then they're doing it. We're going almost, all the way. And I remember watching that game live with Andre, and they almost did it. And yeah. then they didn't do it. <laughs> it was, I was there. It was the well, but All they right. broke the curse last year. And I don't know why people are so checked out on them. Just because Kawhi left, it's like, oh, yeah, it's over for the Raptors. And they could easily be the one seed if it wasn't for the freak. And just like this god on earth that is Giannis Antetokounmpo. If you uh, said demigod, I would believe it would look like Giannis, even without with taking the Greek out of it. Um, yeah, oh yeah, for real. For did you real. did you uh, want me to just give you my final question? Is yeah, go, go for so it. So we don't think that the Wizards uh, in the East are going to be contending for the uh, play-in game. Just mm-hmm. not enough players on the roster, injuries, what have you. But in the West, looking at the standings as you were earlier, who do you think is going to make the ninth and eighth seeds and have to duke it out? And who do you think will finally represent the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference? So I'm going to stick with my take from before this started, and I said. Portland is in. And I even remember mentioning the fact that they could take the eighth seed. I didn't think that would actually happen, but now I'm like a locked in on that. They're going to take the eighth seed. So Portland will have the advantage in the playing game, and they will be playing. Ready for this one? Uh, yes. The Memphis Grizzlies. Oh, okay, okay, okay. It's going to be the Memphis Grizzlies. I just don't see – I don't see – Realistically, the only way I can see the Suns coming in is if like Grizzlies drop the remaining four games. I just don't see that happening. They're gonna they're gonna pull off at least one one or two out of the last four. The Suns would have to win every single game. I don't see that happening. If if, if they have to win every single of the remaining games, and uh, that's if the Grizzlies only win two. So if the Grizzlies win three, that's a lock. But I just don't see the numbers working out. There's only four games left. Mathematically, it can happen. But it's just too much that has to go wrong for the Grizzlies. It's all, I feel like the worst is behind them. They've lost four in a row. Um, they don't have a super easy schedule remaining. Um, but I believe they do close out the season against the Bucks. At that point, the Bucks might really be coasting. Keith Richards, Sunshine Music, everything's oh. right in the world. <laughs> and the Bucks have nothing to worry about. So they'll rest, they'll rest in the last game leading into the, into the playoffs. So that bodes well for Memphis to have that as their last game. So that's, that's kind of interesting. Uh, Andre had it uh, kind of different. He had the Portland Trailblazers in with the Suns in the ninth seed. So we're going to put this up on Twitter and see who you guys think is right, the listeners out there. You guys uh, also said that they were going to win 30 games this year, and they did. No, uh, well, so, yeah, uh, but this was in my prediction. Oh, yeah, uh-huh. 
Oh, if they're gonna break thirty games, did I say that? I sure did on Twitter. Oh, yeah, yeah, I said that. Yeah, we Yumbo got the receipts, that. so yeah, yeah, that would yeah. make my prediction come true. So I guess yeah, I'm leaning uh, for Andre. I'm gonna, uh, what do you? What are those things that just like retain memories? A fox? Like a, uh, an elephant. <laughs> I'm like an elephant when it comes to these things. I remember y'all's predictions. I remember Andre not putting the rap. I mean, that was easy. But I remember y'all saying how many games because I was not in on that. But they proved me wrong, and that's cool because I I want to see more competition. I wish it was a little more evened out more competition in the east but it's all good it's kind of been the life story of the nba right but um the suns i just don't see enough going wrong for the grizzlies yes there's no triple j in memphis but i i think uh i think uh, john morant and you know some of the more tenure guys like it's um uh, like jonas Valanciunas uh, will have those games where you know they'll, they'll be able to pull out a win they'll, they'll, you're gonna hear about john morant having the second 50 point game in the bubble watch and let's hope, man. I'm ready for I'm ready for some exciting Grizzlies games that end up exciting at the end. All right, so with that, I guess we'll end our two part. Portland's going to be the late seed. Sorry, Portland's going to win the playing game, and they're going to face the Lakers. And if you look at the Lakers, they're on a three game losing streak. So anything can happen. <laughs> well, they have their one seed locked up. So with that, anything we will see you guys before the playoffs with uh, the rest of our. Any other predictions? Any other? That's. That's it for that one. Did you want to make one before we go? Oh, can I give you my... Are we doing the awards one? The awards are coming up, man. We need to cover that here soon. Uh, We will discuss that at our next pre-production meeting. So, with that... Can I give the guys my picks for tomorrow if you guys are wanting to gamble? Uh, Yeah, go ahead. We'll we'll put this up and see if you, if you were right. I got the Jazz covering against the Spurs. Got Memphis upsetting Oklahoma and actually taking that dub tomorrow. Uh, I got the Kings winning uh, by double digits against Brooklyn. I got the Magic covering, but still losing, against the Sixers. And then lastly, the game to watch for tomorrow is the Celtics and the Raptors. And the Raptors will win that. It'll be a close one, but they'll win that for sure. I think it's a three and a half point spread. I don't think they'll cover. It's going to be that close. If you guys take these picks to the bank and make some money off of JV's uh, predictions here, uh, feel free to send it to send us a cut to our PayPal shotcallershow at gmail.com. <laughs> if it's wrong, you can at JV on Twitter. That's at JumpmanJV. Uh, and with that, I'll cover the rest of our social media. So if you guys liked our content this week, if you guys have any questions, anything you want us to cover on the next show, any news that you think that we missed, please let us know at shotcallershow. At, uh, that's on Twitter at shot caller show on instagram you can follow us at the underscore shot callers get our inbox at shot caller show at gmail.com with any questions concerns any feedback listener mail we welcome all of it right there and the most important one if you guys can take a little maybe one and a half minutes out of your day find us on apple podcasts uh you know just search our name rate our podcast subscribe five stars only according to andre five stars it's all we accept Leave us a review. That would be terrific. Helps us grow the show. Helps new listeners find us and expand our footprint because we want to make a $200 million set on Spotify as well. Uh, With that, do you have anything to lead the people with, JV? Take your vitamins. Social distance. distance, Wear a mask. Yeah, and get some sleep because, man, it's late. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. So uh, for JV, I'm Rich. And we're the shot colors. See you all next time. <laughs>